everybody, it is Ginger Gerald here once again, welcoming you back to the warm, fun and enriching world of Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard, or GGYLB, as it's very quickly becoming known in certain circles. Thank you so much, not just for listening, subscribing, following and sharing, but also now for participating in the success of this pod. Those of you who do social media may have noticed that we've been inviting you to provide some feedback, ask a few questions and send in a few ideas of what you'd like to hear more of or less of. Now I have to say, I wasn't 100% sure this was a good idea at the beginning, but I have to admit I was wrong. Your input has been most enlightening and has certainly enriched my life. So we're equals. And I'll be incorporating some of your input today and in the future, so keep it coming. It's starting to feel like Team Ginger Gerald now. Today's theme is language or speaking the lingo. When you live abroad, just how important is it to speak the language of your new country? Sounds a simple enough topic, but I think it's going to be an interesting one and not one where everyone necessarily agrees. Added to that, I'm aware that I have to be true to my previously stated podcast values of insightfulness, entertainment and life enrichment. Hmm, well, let's see how it goes, eh? And I think you can be the judge of that. Let's start with a quick quiz question for you. We like them, quiz questions. Now then, which of the following three options most represents your own communication skills and style in a second language. Is it number one? Dos cervezas y una margarita, por favor. Is it number two? Two beers and a margarita, please. Or is it number three? Hey, amigo. Two beers and a margarita, por favor. Well, which one of them was it? Which one of them is you? All three are real, and I'm sure all three will actually work in many places. Anyway, let's start today's conversation nice and easy. For those of you who have, will, or may move to an English-speaking country, okay, then you can just kick off your slippers Sit back in your comfy armchair and enjoy today's chat. No pressure on you. Oh yes, you can tuck into your roast dinner or your hamburger with extra fries or your Vegemite on toast and congratulate yourself on how incredibly smart you've been to avoid the challenge and the stress of having to speak a second language just to get by in your new life. Of course... You'll have a few interesting, entertaining and difficult to understand accents to deal with, but that's okay. You and your host nation's citizens can just take the mickey out of each other and snigger at the use of words like fanny or ass. But at least you've not got the stress to worry about trying to communicate in a completely different language. So what about Ginger Gerald's experience? Well, firstly... I've never lived in a country outside of the UK where English has been the standard communicating procedure. And secondly, and I think I have to confess from the outset, 
I had a bit of a head start on many people. Now, at my school, we had to choose between French and German. I went for French, based on the very sophisticated criteria that it sounded nicer and it seemed a little bit easier. And I did okay. O-level led to A-level, which led on to studying French at university. And at the age of 21, my first ever experience of living overseas was as a student in Paris. One winter's evening, quick story for you. One winter's evening, I can remember this really clearly, it was freezing. I was all bunged up with a cold and I was in a bit of a hurry to get back home to my little dorm. Anyway, I was walking along the pavement behind a bunch of about 10 school kids, teenagers. And so to get past them without getting myself run down by the mad 2CV driving Parisians, I simply asked for permission with a quick, pardon, pardon. Somehow, these group of teenagers interpreted my slightly nasal pardon, pardon, to be the sound of a duck, quack, quack. And they all instantaneously started dancing round me, pretending to be ducks quack, quacking at me. I was bamboozled. That was probably the first, but definitely not the last time that I've had people laugh at me for my pronunciation. And I have to say it was definitely the weirdest. Now, we all know that foreign languages don't come as easily to some as to others. Everyone's got their own set of strengths and skills, and we're all different. Now, in my case, I was definitely ahead of the curve when it came to conjugating irregular verbs and agreeing my adjectives. But my technical and practical skills, well, they were still in the nursery, almost non-existent. Now, if you haven't already listened to my Confessions of a Pool Maintenance Man episode, which I called Taking the Plunge, then I suggest you look it up and have a little listen when you're done with this one. Now, I had a mate at school, whose name I'll keep a secret. For full three years, he could not grasp the concept of there being more than one word for the in French. I always did his homework for him, making a few purposeful errors, of course, to the very cleverly trick the teacher, who probably didn't actually give a monkey's, and who was actually known by the rather disrespectful nickname of Knob. Anyway, I couldn't help him with tests, so this mate of mine got a zero in every French test he ever did, and of course, he dropped French at the very first opportunity. However, at the age of 15, this very same guy could strip a car engine down to every single component and then put it back together again better than it was in the first place. And here's me with my past participles and gerundives, but still struggling to change a light bulb. So, when we consider the theme of second languages, it is important to accept that not everybody necessarily has the same potential to become fluent in a foreign language. Just the same as not everyone can run 100 metres in 10 seconds, no matter how hard you train, how hard you try. Or even to ride a monocycle while juggling fire clubs at the same time. So let's define, very roughly, let's define three levels for the use of a second language. First level, like my mate, you can't speak a word. Can't or won't, that is. 
There may be a variety of things going on here. Maybe you've genuinely tried hard in multiple ways, but just can't begin to open your mouth and say anything that anyone appears to understand. Or maybe you do understand quite a bit, but you become an absolute nervous wreck when it's your turn to have a go. People very often say that they understand quite a lot, even everything, but then they speak in English. And I get that. I know people who for years didn't utter a single word in Spanish, but then suddenly they started to, and their Spanish was really advanced. Now that's the first end of the scale. At the other end of the scale, you've got the proficient speaker, or, you, or even the genuinely bilingual, or trilingual, or multilingual variety. For me, bilingual is the peak. People who speak and read and understand two or more languages at the same level and their accents, grammar and their word selection means that they could probably genuinely be taken as native speaker of either language. Often these people, we tend to refer to them as one of them, are born into it. Maybe their parents have different mother tongues or their second or third generation arrivals, immigrants, expats, or maybe home means one language and school, or outside of home, is another language. So not all people are born into it. Some people are really linguistically talented and learn a language so well, they're so immersed in it, usually for such a long period of time, that they transition from being very fluent and proficient into being bilingual. Bilingual is seen from the outside, especially in Europe, as being a really major advantage and a big personal selling point, both personally and professionally. But it's not seen as that quite so much elsewhere. In the US, for example, there are millions of bilingual Spanish and English speakers. But for some reason that I don't get, this often seems to be looked down upon rather than applauded. And then think of the number of, for example, Indians who speak English perfectly in addition to their own native language or languages. So that's both ends of the scale, the I-know-nothing crowd and the linguistic savants. But the vast majority of Brits living in a non-English-speaking country fall somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. Most people give it a go, and after a while, they can understand some or even most of what they hear, particularly in one-to-one -one conversations, and they make themselves understood using a reasonable breadth of vocab and grammar that may not be perfect, but it is understandable. Some people progress really quickly and become proficient, maybe eventually become uh, bilingual. But some stay where they are or they even deteriorate as years drag on. Like most things, new skills seem to be better suited to a young and active brain. However, for most Brits living abroad, the objective of speaking the local language is to be able to get on and enjoy your life, irrespective of where you've chosen to live, and to be able to integrate. And success in this can be gauged by using the little-known and just-invented CAC formula. So what is the CAC formula, Ginger Gerald, I hear you ask? Well, CAC is spelled K-A-C. C. And here's how it works. Listen to the following three concepts and their definitions as we go through them. 
and then you have to mark yourself out of 10 for each one and you need to be honest so let's start with the k of cac k is for knowledge how well do you know a language and how well can you already communicate in that language both spoken and written if you are fully fluent and like a local then give yourself a 10 for this one my mechanic mate i'm afraid he gets a zero now let's move on to a a is for attitude are you positive do you try really hard and be seen to re try really hard? Do you look for opportunities to improve and practice your language skills? Are you resilient in the face of rejection and belittlement by others? Can you keep going when everyone seems to respond to you in English, even when you say something which you know is perfect? How annoying is that? If you answered a great big yes to these types of questions, then give yourself a pat on the back and 10 points. The opposite, I'm afraid, is a zero. And then we're on to the C of CAC. C, you've guessed it, is for confidence. Now, this is a tricky one. As some people just have it and some people don't. So they have to force it and do a bit of mind over matter or meditation or have a couple of tequilas before really going for it now if ever there was a good reason to take up drinking then speaking a foreign language when you're of a nervous disposition is it irrespective of your alcohol intake it's super important to try to become confident easier said than done i know so are you timid as a lamb if so you get a zero or are you super confident even if you know you're making a million mistakes as you go along if so you get a 10 now if you're overconfident or a cocky twat then knock a mark or two off because nobody likes one of them do they so how did you all get on what score did you get if your total score is 20 or more and provided that none of your scores are zero, then you're on the right track. All you need to do is focus on what you can do to improve each one of those scores, starting with the lowest. So, if you've got a low K for knowledge, then join a class, do a course, buy the book, whatever works best for you. If your A attitude is low, then take a good look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself a slap. Commit to being more positive. People engage more with a smile than with a frown, remember. And if confidence, C, is your issue, then look for conversation exchange partners. Practice what you know you want to say out loud in front of the mirror and with your family. And keep your sentences simple and clear. Remember, CAC, apart from being something you sometimes stand in by accident, is a connected circle and each component can have a positive impact on the others. A three-dimensional recipe for success. Wow, I might just get a trademark for that CAC. I could go places with that. Here's a story for you. A bunch of years ago, I got moved to Venezuela for my job. 
The person I was taken over from and very kindly and thoughtfully arranged an, an, an event to introduce me to all of the business partners, suppliers and contacts. And on the night, 120 or 150 or so people had turned up, mainly, I think, because they'd been promised free beer. Anyway, my predecessor and the number two in command, both of them were British, and both gave quick speeches to everyone in perfect South American Spanish. Both fully proficient, if not bilingual. Then it was my turn. And I didn't really know it was going to be my turn. And I'd not really prepared. Now, I don't think, I may be wrong, I don't think they meant to stitch me up. But I stumbled through a short speech, which I thought was in Spanish, and I thought I'd get away with, but later I was told it was really a mixture of English and French in a sort of Spanishy accent. Oh well, I got through it, and my CAC score went up from that day onwards. Has anyone tried one of those learn to speak a language fluently in two seconds or your money back? courses that pop up every time you check your phone or look on any social media. You just have to pop in your credit card into the app and hey presto, a complete brain reset. Sounds good. And what a shame that we're not all Scandinavians or Dutch. Now I know it's wrong to generalise, but wow, they seem to be born speaking a dozen different languages perfectly. Whereas us Brits, again, I'm just generalising folks, so don't go getting all upset with me. Us Brits, we go on holiday and complain to the tour operator that the Greek waiter in Greece spoke Greek. And that in Turkey, there are simply too many Turkish people. I only wish I was joking, but they're true complaints. And then, of course, there's the issue of languages in call centres. We all love a call centre, don't we? The excitement of the wait as your place in the queue slowly but surely comes down. You're wondering just who you're going to speak to today and who's going to issue, whose issue is going to be resolved efficiently. And don't you just love that music while they take a moment to carefully ponder your predicament. Nowadays, the functionality exists in the call centres for real-time machine interpretation. So, for example, the customer says, Hola, and I, as the call centre agent, I hear, Hello. So I say, Hello back, and the customer hears, Hola. That's good, isn't it? So surely the next stage in the development of this piece of software is for the government just to jab it into our arms. And there you go, sorted. We can all become instantaneously multilingual. No need to test it or anything like that. Oh no, just shove it in there like everything else. Now, now, Ginger Gerald, this is neither the time or the place for that conversation. And this podcast is strictly apolitical. So, let's have a quick recap of today's conversation. First and foremost, remember that integrating, getting on with people and doing things that, you know, you just need to get done in your new life overseas does not all come down to how well you happen to speak or understand the local language. 
but of course, it can really help. So don't simply ignore it, as you'll never know quite what you're missing out on. But the best advice I can give to you is this. Go ahead and study the language by all means, but don't purely focus on learning vocab phrases and grammar. Focus also on your own attitude to using it when dealing with others and on your confidence levels. Remember the all-important and potentially quality-of-life-changing CAC formula. Remember, knowledge, attitude, confidence. And don't be scared to ask for help. Remember, a lot of people do speak really good English. And if you have a smile on your face, and if it's clear that you're prepared to really have a go at expressing yourself in somebody else's language, then you'd be amazed how many people will jump to help you to achieve it. That's when the eight for attitude really comes into its own. So guys, I hope you didn't feel like I've given you a lecture today, and I really hope it might have helped some of you who are maybe struggling to be understood or to understand. And to those of you who are already proficient or bilingual, then I hope you'll consider offering a helping hand to your fellow compatriots. You never know, one of them might even be able to mend your car the next time it conks out. Next week, we are finally going to explore the maybe dull, but absolutely necessary world of administration or bureaucracy, which surrounds and can engulf a move overseas, or even your entire life when you're there, if you're not careful. Banks, insurance, health, rental contracts, mortgages, buying and selling cars, bringing your pets, and maybe the biggest one of the lot, residency. And, of course, we need to just look at how Brexit may have taken the wind out of your sails. Now, I solemnly promise to bring this subject to life and to make it as interesting, entertaining and as enriching as I can. And, of course, I've got a few tales of desperation and frustration to throw into the mix and to break up my words of wisdom. We'll be calling the episode Blummin' Bureaucracy. And, believe me, I don't like it. Thanks for listening, folks. Let's speak again next week. Thank you, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives.